Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. This morning, um, this message, I really believe that God wants to speak to some hearts and to some lives this morning. Now, this message, I do not claim to have this revelation from God strictly, specifically to me. It's through someone else. And it's, it was a preacher that I had heard years ago that preached this message, and it has stuck with me all these years. And uh, this past several weeks was kind of going through some things, and the Lord reminded me of this truth. And uh, the Holy Spirit began to prompt me, began to stir me, and uh, said, you know what, this is what my people need to hear. And so this morning I want to preach a sermon uh, out of Exodus uh, chapter 14. We're going to read uh, verses 31 and then down to 15 verses 1 through 3. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning, God, for the privilege and the honor to preach your word. God, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit anointing to preach, God. I'm asking you to speak to each and every one in this place. God, I come against the spirit of fear right now, Lord, in this place. I pray, Father, that there would be deliverance this morning here. God, that you would do all that you want to do, that we would not leave here the same as we came in, God, but I'm asking that you would do an everlasting work in our hearts and lives, not just something this morning, but an everlasting work, God. We thank you and we give you praise and glory in your name, amen. I want to preach a sermon titled, Right Song, Wrong Side. Right Song, Wrong Side. So this is a story that everyone I'm sure is, is very familiar with. The children of Israel, they're in a hopeless situation, right? The Red Sea is before them. The mountains are around them. Left and to the right, surrounded by mountains. Nowhere to go. Pharaoh's army is quickly closing in behind them. And God's people seem hopelessly trapped by their enemy. And so what happens? It's panic time, right? In the camp of Israel, the children of Israel, they begin to panic. They're shaking with fear. They're beginning to cry out. They're weeping. Moses is being mobbed by this angry crowd. Exodus 14, 11, and 12. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Can you imagine 
the roar of the crowd. Can you imagine all of these people rising up against Moses? Now, Moses was in on the story of deliverance. God had already told him what he was going to do. He already had told him, the sea is going to be opened. I'm going to make a way of escape. Yet Moses was so overwhelmed by this crowd. He was so overwhelmed by the cries of the people that he began to cry and he fell on his knees and wept. Exodus 14, 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Why are you crying to me, Moses? He had already told him what he was going to do, right? Why are you crying to me? Why are you burdened by this? Get up, tell the people to move forward. And you know the story, right? The winds begin to pick up. The sea begins to part. The people, they begin to step forward and they walk through on dry ground. And when Pharaoh closes in and begins to follow them across, as the children of Israel are standing safely on the other side, the waves begin to close in and drowns the army. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Exodus 14, 30 and 31. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now they believe. Huh. Right? Now they believe. Now that they've seen the miracle, now that the sea has been opened, they walk through on dry ground, out come the tambourines, right? Out come the dancers. And they sang a beautiful song. The Lord has triumphed. He is my strength. Many of you know the song, right? We sang that song maybe when we were younger. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. How many sang that song? You know the song, right? Now they believe. Now they begin to sing. The Lord has triumphed. He is my strength. He is my salvation. I will exalt him. Who is like the Lord? There is no God like the God of Israel. Right song, wrong side. Right? Right song, wrong side. They sang a beautiful song, but this was the song that God yearned for them to sing on the side of testing. On the testing side. Anybody can praise the Lord after the victory has come. <laughs> Anyone can dance when the prayers have been answered. Isn't God good? Look what the Lord has done. Even the worst doubters can offer a joyous song once God has provided a breakthrough. But what about when we're facing the darkness? What about facing a future that seems so bleak? A future that you can't understand. It looks so dark. It looks so hopeless, the situation that you're in. And you know, this is kind of where I've argued with God sometimes. Lord, it's only natural to fear. You know, if I was there 
that day among the children of Israel in that particular crisis, I too would have trembled. I mean, come on. Mountains left and right. Sea raging in front of you. The army is closing in behind you. I'd have been scared too. My faith may have wavered. It may have failed. Just like the children of Israel. But you know, God is a tender, loving father. There's a time to weep. There's a time to vent our fears when we're overcome by what's happening, by what's going on in that moment. And we're not sure how we're going to make it. You know, as I was praying about this and thinking about this and reading through this story, you know, what I wanted God to do was give them some slack. Lord, they're human. Are you commanding, are you demanding that God's people rejoice and praise the Lord when everything looks so bleak? When there's unemployment, when People are losing their homes when there's sickness, when there's death, when there's suffering. I have to say, there's times when I've been there and I'm going through this and I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like singing. And I sure don't feel like doing the jig. And I'm saying, Lord, you're asking people to make, think about this. Lord, you're asking the children of Israel to make a death-like decision, to walk towards the water and step into it without any evidence at that point. The children of Israel did not know. So Lord, cut them some slack, I think. Can I tell you, when you begin to study the Word of God and you study the Bible, as many of you do. And you've seen the Lord speaking to His disciples. And He's rebuking them for their unbelief, right? Time and time again, the Lord is rebuking the disciples for their unbelief. Where is your faith? And it came out here with Moses. You know, was God unjust? Was God mean when He speaks to Moses? who had already come through so much to this point, right? He had exercised so much faith to this point. God had spoken so clearly to him. And then God says to him, not a rebuke, but he says, why are you crying? Get up. Why are you crying? I wonder if the Holy Spirit is speaking the same to you this morning. Why are you on your face weeping? Why are you crying? Have I failed you in the past? Did you not see all of the deliverances? Did they not count? I'm sure that you've heard countless sermons on faith. You've probably heard faith preached from every angle possible. Probably isn't any sermon on faith that you haven't heard. But when do we get to the point where we finally say, enough 
is enough. I'm going to take a stand. Enough is enough. I'm going to take a stand. I'm not going to let the devil take me into the pit of despair. I'm not going to let this situation get me down. There has to come a point in our lives where we say, as Job did, though you slay me, yet I will trust in you. The great need today is for Christians who have learned to sing the song of deliverance on the testing side of trouble. God's purposes in allowing us to find ourselves in hopeless situations is to test us, to build a foundation of trust in Him. How else will His people be able to trust? How will we be able to trust for all of the battles that lie ahead unless we have a foundation? See, every crisis that you face right now is an opportunity to learn to trust God. To build a foundation on everything that comes at you for the rest of your life. This test was an opportunity for Israel to look inside their hearts, to see the doubt that was there so they might turn to God in faith. If only they had remembered the miracles that they had witnessed in Egypt, they would have been able to say, live or die, we are the Lord's. Live or die, we are the Lord's. We will be delivered. They could have encouraged one another with a song of praise, the same song that they eventually sang on the wrong side. Great is our God, greatly to be praised. If they would have just thought about all that God had done for them up to that point, they could have encouraged one another. It could have spread through the camp like wildfire, igniting their faith. They would have had a foundation of faith, being able to stand confidently to praise God in all circumstances. But Israel did not sing. Instead, they murmured and they complained. They accused God of neglect. See, the world demands a song in hard times. A little further down in the story, Israel has been taken captivity because of their iniquity by the Babylonians, and they're sitting by the river in Babylon, and they're weeping. They've put up their harps. Now remember, these people are sitting there by the river, and the children of Israel, they're known for their singing, for their joyful praises to God, always boasting on God and His deliverances. How He is the God above all other gods. But here they are now, they've hung up their harps, and they're weeping and crying. The psalmist says in Psalms 137, 1-3, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps, upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth or joy. 
saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Now their captors wanted to hear the songs of victory that the Israelites were famous for. Sing to us. Play your instruments. Play for one of us your well-known songs. We've heard about the great victory songs you offer to your God. Sing them for us. I declare to you this morning, the world still demands a song of victory from God's people. What they really want to know is this. How are you going to react in your present crisis? We've heard about how God is faithful and how God is all-powerful, and right now, you're in a terribly hard place. So, will you stop singing? Or do you trust your God even in times like these? Before you got into this situation, you sang of His faithfulness. Was that a lie? How has your God changed? Were you singing fairy tales back then? Were your songs of deliverance simply fantasy? Or does your faith hold up when hard times come? See, I don't believe that this demand by those there in Babylon was made in mock. I don't think they were mocking them. I, I don't believe they were mocking them. Maybe there were some that there was some mockery, but I don't believe they were mocking. I believe the Babylonians wanted to hear a testimony. Their own religion had left them empty, had left them dry, had left them hopeless. And we know from God's Word that there is no peace for the wicked, right? It's what the Word of God says. And the world wants peace just as we do. You know, and as I read this psalm, I believe the Babylonians were equally desperate that they had heard of the God of Israel, this God who performed miracles, who cared for His people, who was for them a, a, a strong tower of safety. These captors wanted a true testimony for themselves. I can almost hear the plea from those in Babylon. Please sing us the happy songs that you sang in Zion. Show us a God who has the power to supply hope in dark times. If He is your God, why are you weeping now? Where is your peace, your joy? Where is His strength on your behalf? The Babylonians, they needed to see God's people singing a song of victory in the midst of their dark night. They longed to see a testimony that would speak peace to the heart no matter what. I can picture them saying, you can show us a miracle. That won't matter. We don't care about seeing cripples walk or the blind with sight restored. Now, I believe in miracles. We only want to see a people whose God is a source of peace when everything else goes wrong. That is the miracle we need. They were not interested in seeing blind eyes restored to sight, cripples that would get up and walk. They were not interested in that at this point. We know, yes, God can do miracles. What we're interested in seeing is is your God really a source of peace when everything goes wrong? 
This is the same miracle, the supernatural wonder that the world needs and wants to see right now. The Israelites who sat in chains in Babylon, they refused to sing. Evidently, they had learned nothing from their experiences. Any and all testing that they had been through up to this point was in vain. All the warnings, prophecies, the messages of hope from the Lord had no lasting effect on them. So the Babylonians walked away dismayed. They must have said to themselves, these Israelites are no different from us. They're supposed to have a powerful God, but clearly He isn't able to give them joy in hard times. What's the use of seeking such a God? There simply is no hope in the earth. When hard times come, these Israelites fall into despair just as we do. I can hear them saying it right now. You know, this world does not respond to great sermons. Church programs, not going to affect them. You can have the greatest program in the world. Even healings have little impact on this world. They've seen so many, you know, miracle medicines, you know, heart transplants, lung transplants, uh, limbs. They've seen all of these modern medical miracles that indeed God's wisdom makes possible. But even these do not have the impact. What the world hungers for is not a miracle, but an ordinary Christian, a person who is just like me, being deeply tested, going through hell on earth, someone who's going through a trial, I want to see and hear something of hope. That's what I want to see. The world is demanding a song. This is the miracle this morning that's going to win the lost. The miracle of true peace in dark times. Why? The worldly and the wicked, they're also in a hard place. And they want hope. Our doubts this morning must be dealt a death blow on the testing side. Or we run the risk of becoming confirmed murmurers, just like the children of Israel. It wasn't, and you read the story. After the Red Sea is open, woo, praise God, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Three days later, they're out in the wilderness. I'm hungry, no food out here. You brought us to die. They just saw the Red Sea open and walked through on dry ground. But songs that are sung after victory, songs of victory sung after victory, are not true songs of faith. Our doubts are not dealt the death blow by our experience. You know, when we experience a victorious deliverance, we have a temporary outpouring of thanksgiving. 
we're naturally joyful because God has mercifully acted on our behalf despite our doubts. (laughs) Yet what happens to our doubts then? They only get submerged deeper in our hearts. The fact is that God has led you to your current situation. You are surrounded by obstacles on all sides with what seems like an enemy closing in. And like Moses, you may be saying, Lord, you've led me faithfully all my life, but I don't understand what I'm going through. The future looks so bleak. Right now, we're living in a time of chaos that the world has never seen. Satan is using fear. Satan is using fear to torment multitudes, to torment the saints, to torment the Christian. In the very midst of this time, I believe that the Lord is calling His people saying, how will you deal with this? Are you going to believe my promises in spite of everything else that takes place around you? Will you trust me in spite of your deepest fears? There must come a point where we make up our minds. We have to do this. We have to make up our minds. I want to share a story with you this morning. We've got a little time. So... In 2004, we had gone to New Braunfels, Texas to pioneer a church to do work for the Lord. We went to New Braunfels and we set up in our home and we began to outreach the neighborhoods and invite folks to a Bible study. And man, God was just pouring out His Spirit. Before long, we had 30 people coming into our home. We get a building and God begins to bless us there and begins to add, and the church was about 50 folks. And it was just a wonderful time of God's outpouring, just His blessing, His favor. I mean, it was blowing me away. I'm like, where are all these people coming from? And Lord, why are you bringing them? It's just me. You know, what in the world? This is so amazing. Well, there was one gentleman that the Lord brought to our church who was at that time, using a walker. His name is Johnny. Terry, you know Johnny. (laughs) And Johnny started coming to church and got to talking to Johnny, and Johnny was suffering from multiple sclerosis. And as Johnny began to come to church, We would pray for him. We were laying hands, believing God for healing. Johnny was faithful. Just a great spirit, great attitude. But Johnny's health really started deteriorating to where then he was in a wheelchair. He was having trouble swallowing. His vision was starting to go. And then... In October of 2007, I began to struggle with some health issues. Many of you know the story. 
my right eye is hurting behind and just all kinds of weird symptoms going on. Blurred vision. I'm thinking, my goodness, I need glasses? Too young for glasses already. Go to the ophthalmologist. He says, nothing's wrong with your eye. It's behind your eye. MRI, spinal tap, all the tests. And they had diagnosed that I had MS. Multiple sclerosis. And you know what the devil whispered in my ear? You see Johnny? That's you. Spirit of fear began to grip me. I had some decisions to make. I got upset. I said, Lord, I don't understand. You're moving. Good things are happening. People are getting saved. It's not supposed to be like this. Right? I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to be the one full of faith, right? And yet I'm having these doubts, these fears. So we make the decision that we're going to turn the church over to another couple, try and get things under control a little bit, and we come back home here to San Antonio. And all the time, I'm being honest this morning, all the time I'm saying God is good. God is going to take care. God is going to provide. God's going to heal. But inside there were doubts. Can I be honest? <laughs> inside there were doubts. Satan kind of kept nudging me a little bit. You know Johnny. You remember Johnny, right? Johnny. Well, about... Four weeks ago, I started losing feeling in my feet, starting to go numb. And so, trying to figure out what's going on, and another flare-up with this MS. And man, it's affecting my whole body. And you know what? <laughs> that enemy of old... He starts whispering again. You remember Johnny, don't you? Johnny ended up in a wheelchair, remember? And Satan began to whisper in my ear. And the spirit of fear began to come. And then God brought this sermon. <laughs> this message back to my mind. And I said, you know what, devil? <clears throat> I am no longer going to be gripped by the spirit of fear. I said, Satan, you know what? Just, just go ahead and get out now because I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm not going down this path again where I allow doubt and fear to overcome and overtake, and I don't learn the lesson. I don't learn the lesson again. Lisa. You know what I'm talking about. 
fear, doubts begin to come. And I'm not saying you have a spirit of fear. What I'm saying is there is a spirit that harasses. It's a harassing spirit. But the Lord wants you to know this morning that the same faith that you had and the reason why this man is sitting right here next to you this morning is the same God that's going to deliver you from all of this. The same God. You've seen the miracles. You've seen what God can do, but then Satan comes and he says, yeah, but that was then, this is now. Things are different. They're not different now. The same God. Can I pray for you? Stretch out your hands, church. Father, I come before you right now. I come against this foul, tormenting spirit of fear, this harassing spirit right now. I command you in the name of Jesus to leave. The Word of God says to pick up your weapons and flee. For the Lord has given me authority over you right now. I command you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would just give my sister a spirit of peace of comfort, of joy. God, I pray right now that you would flood her mind with the memories of the deliverances of the past, Father. Oh, God, that you would increase her faith this morning. We thank you for all that you're going to do. We are careful to give you praise and glory in your precious name. Amen, amen. And the same is for you this morning. I don't know what your story is. I don't know everyone's story. I know some, Phil. The same God that delivered you in the past is the same God that will deliver you today. And whatever you are going through, whatever trial, whatever you are facing this morning, Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We need to fix our minds on Jesus this morning. Our will has to be involved in this no matter how dark it gets, no matter how hopeless, no matter what Satan's whispering in our ears, no matter what we see with our eyes, what is going on physically in our bodies, possibly, we have to fix our minds on Christ. This is when perfect peace comes. It is supplied from the Lord Himself. Perfect peace. And He is pleased by our trust in Him. Let God make you a testimony to the world. A witness of His faithfulness. Love Him with all your heart. Right now, fix your mind on Christ. Give Him all your problems, all your faith, and all your trust. And He will give you the right song on the right side. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. 
For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.